Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stenko is out West, just two plugged-in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, going ISO edition with four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA selection, current Milwaukee Bucks assistant coach Ben Baker. This episode brought to you by BuiltBar.com. Locked on is the promo code to get $10 off your first order. BuiltBar.com. Great tasting, low sugar, low calorie, high protein bars. Adam, confession to make that I'm actually not really embarrassed to even admit. Mm-hmm. I've never owned a pair of Jordans. Mm. Interesting. That was the theme of episode five was Jordans and the brand. I've never owned a pair of Jordans. You? Uh, yeah, but it's been a while, to be honest with you. I, uh, you know, with four kids, I can't really afford them anymore. Right. So that's pretty much been the been the issue. But well, that, you should, you should cut mean, grass like Justin Timberlake did in order I, to get I, Yeah, that cameo no one needed. I, I just, uh, yeah, it was interesting because when you're watching that, it, it takes me back to the time where everybody wanted to wear 23 playing youth sports and everybody had to have Jordans. And in fact, I remember getting crushed as a poser when I was in like sixth grade because, because I would wear like a knee brace like Jordan would wear. And I didn't need a knee brace, like one of those slide on knee braces. Yeah, yeah, right. But everybody, but I mean, but nothing epitomized guys wanting to be like Mike more than, more than Air Jordans for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think my, my parents instilled in me pretty early and, and I appreciate them for it. They said, $40 $40 for a pair of sneakers. And I was so, all right. So when 84, I was three years old. Um, so as I got older, elementary school, junior high, they said $40 for a pair of sneakers. And then for basketball and tennis shoes, since I played both sports, they said 45, anything over that, figure out how to get it on your own. And it taught me at a pretty early age, like, all right, well, what do I really want to spend my money on? And are those shoes worth my time doing X job in order to make that money to spend it on those sneakers. And 99% of the time it was not, but it also made me think all those commercials and be like Mike. And it makes, it made me think, and I don't know if you had the same thought, but it made me think that it's such a shame that Kyrie is so unlikable because Kyrie has had like the Mars Blackman deal with the Jordan commercials and then be like Mike, all that. Like Kyrie has been the most recent guy since really since like Penny Hardaway and with little Penny and grandmama with Larry Johnson to have uncle Drew, to have another character and uncle Drew was really likable. And those commercials were awesome, but Kyrie is just so unlikable. It made me think how it's just kind of such a shame. It is. It is because, but the Jordan thing alone was just so different. And I think that they've done a really good job of just, uh, sort of explaining. It's starting to now feel like the first time I felt that the people in the modern era, this generation is getting a chance to see what Jordan was all about in terms of the brand and how big he mm-hmm. was and how yeah, huge. Right. And I think that's what this documentary, in addition to all the other stuff, which we're going to get into, like in addition to all the other things it's done and it being a retrospective of just his career and his accomplishments and how great he was. And obviously he's had an influence over this documentary. Just the idea of how famous he was and how big of a figure and how much people just idolized him. And it's it's even taken me back. I mean, it, 
the last few years, as I've talked about Jordan, it's been some memories and recollections and things I remember reading in his books and then come fly with me and his, his movies and all that. But now it's also taken me back to that time when I was a kid and I was a teenager, like just how everyone just idolized Michael Jordan. He was just on this other plane from any other athlete in, in society. Really. I'm getting a little tired of the storyline of just like how huge he is. It, it's every single episode. It's been hitting me over the head with Jordan's gets mobbed here. He gets mobbed here. He gets mobbed here. I, at this point I get it. And, but I do think in this episode, it showed what it's leading to as to why he may have, why he may have stepped away, but going back in time and then jumping ahead, I, I'm, I kind of got whiplash during this past episode more than other ones. Yeah. Going like, it's just for me, I know that, okay, if I see Jordan and Barkley playing in the finals, I know that's 93. I know it is. But if they're trying to capture the the average fan, then the the or someone who might not know all of this story, or maybe that's someone that's younger, that person's gonna be all sorts of confused. Like it maybe then just have the year in the corner the whole time. When right. whenever that right. whenever whatever scene you're in, just have the year there, have the month in the year. But it, it just seems to me that there's been so little spent on 97, 98 for any extended period of time that we're always just, all right, three minutes and then we're jumping back. This, these, I, as much as I enjoyed these past two episodes, this one finally hit me as, all right, what, what is, what is going on here with the timelines? Yeah. And and look, we've, we've hit on it before, but the idea to play around with going in a way that's not chronological is always the most difficult thing you can do in, in terms of storytelling when you're talking about video production. It's always the the most difficult thing. And everybody wants to try it and they want it flashbacks and they think that's a way to go. And it's so hard to pull off and very few do. And I understand the challenge that they were faced with that Jason Hare had had to figure out when he's got this project, you have the vault of footage, 97, 98, all this behind the scenes stuff, this crazy year, all these crazy characters. But A, we want to extend it out and get as much use of it as we can. So obviously in this case, they went 10 hours with, but then they also figure you got to provide some context. And I think it was, that's the challenge when they got together and started looking at how are we going to tell this story? Okay. As we go through 97, 98, we'll, we'll just keep flashing back to moments that give us context and signify moments in Jordan's career, especially as you're trying to hit, as you talk about a wider audience, which is which is essentially what they're trying to do. I mean, we remember what happened with Jordan and Barkley during Mm -hmm. that 93 finals, but I think a lot of people might not. Now, also in the midst of that, little nuggets have popped out and and NBA Entertainment's had a chance to to feed us things that maybe we hadn't seen before. So, you know, talking about how Dan Marley, that Jordan used that as his motivation in that series, that that Dan Marley was a great defensive player. That's the stuff that, that stands out. Or when we go to the 92 Olympics, and you have that moment in the lobby where Jordan's being asked by Ahmad Rashad, of course, because Ahmad Rashad's been the second most prominent figure in this whole documentary. But when Ahmad Rashad says, hey, Mike, who takes the final shot? Game-winning situation. You know, who rejects the screen and goes ISO, if you will? <laughs> and Jordan goes, that's a stupid question, me, and, and like walks away. Like those things we hadn't seen before. We've heard some of those stories, all that kind of stuff. But that kind of stuff is unique. But playing around with timelines is awfully difficult. And now is when it's starting to really reach a point of 
of confusion. I think yeah, I starting, starting to give me a little bit of a headache. The Ahmad Rashad stuff we told you on the on last week's show, the two little bits of Ahmad, and I'm like, all right, well, you know a lot more is coming. Where he was sitting in the training room and then he was behind the door with him when it said Bulls authorized Bulls personnel only. Well, now it's Ahmad in the car with them going to finals games, windows <laughs> cl- windows up, and cigars being smoked. Like how Jordan – this is something we've talked about in a previous episode, like all the cigars that Jordan smokes. This was – I think we even talked about this before mm-hmm. Last Dance came out. Like yeah. he's smoking so many cigars, how he was able to run and just oh. breathe the way he still does to me is really impressive. So – you mentioned the Ahmad's question to him who takes the last shot that was in the, in the lobby in Barcelona mm-hmm. as you know, Jordan's on his way out the door to play golf, of course. And, and he said, me, like as fast as the, his, he, he gave that answer just as quickly and matter of factly as he gave, it was Horace. When, <laughs> yes. when he said it was Horace Grant, who gave Sam Smith everything for the Jordan rules. So as soon as, as soon as he said that, I was like, ah, it's the same tone of voice. Like Jordan, of course, Jordan believes that it would be him. And of course he believes that it was Horace Grant who gave everything yeah. to Sam Smith. Of course, of course. I, I, I will say that what stood out to me, so in episode five, the first five minutes of that, when, he, when it's the him and Kobe stuff, mm-hmm. and he's talking about Kobe, I don't think there's anything more fascinating to me. And look, in a way, it's what we do every week when we go ISO with these guys and ask them questions. There's something about when competitors are talking about other guys that they competed against at the highest level and the way if – if you can get them to talk frankly about how they really believe a guy was and what made them mm-hmm. special or what they hated about them or what drove them, like that to me is always the most fascinating part of, of the interviews we do and, and the stuff that I'm personally interested in. And so when he's talking about Kobe and at 19, how he's so offensive minded and they're, you know, playing the all-star game and they're, and of course they had this great relationship later. And, and we find all that stuff out, you know, certainly during the memorial and, and the way that Jordan spoke about him, it became very public, but people knew that Jordan was like a big brother to Kobe and how much Kobe emulated Jordan and wanted to be like him because who better to be like when you are a six, six wing player that's athletic and ha- cares about the skill set and, you have a drive that's unlike any other. Of course, you're going to emulate, emulate Jordan. That's the guy that you're going to look up to and say, I want to pattern everything I know, everything he does. And so for him to sort of talk in a negative way about Kobe, though, was interesting that like the flaws in Kobe's game in a way and, and the way he approached it. And it reminded me, Noah, of when the guys at NBA Entertainment, I have a friend who had told me that he had watched footage when he was logging stuff back late 90s of of Jordan and was talking about Allen Iverson. And he gives like, he said, you know, Allen Iverson, he's talking about Allen Iverson to the press and they're asking about AI and he's, oh, he's a great young player. He's so talented. You know, uh, the kid's got a bright future, all that. And then he goes back in the locker room and he's like, that weed smoking motherfucker, like that kid's a punk. <laughs> and like, and of course we were like, oh, that footage is never going to see the light of day. And maybe it will, maybe it won't. But the fact that that Kobe stuff came out is like, wow. That was to me like one of the great moments of this whole documentary. Just hearing Jordan talk about Kobe was was pretty cool. And that the, the All Star Game locker room stuff that is that's locker room talk. The fact that Bird is the head coach and then Magic comes in, and just those three that you saw earlier in the documentary during the flashbacks, 
not just the not just the dream team stuff, but you know, it was Jordan taking over for Bird and Magic and Jordan beating Magic in the finals. Coming up, let's talk about the dream team. Because I got a big question when it comes to Jordan and the Pistons. This episode of the Rejecting the Screen podcast brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein and energy bar that I've ever had. And what I like the mm-hmm. most about it is the fact that the flavors are awesome. So coconut almond, I love. Toffee almond, I love. Peanut butter brownies, great. Banana nut bread's great. And all of these have like three or five grams of sugar and then anywhere from 15 to 20 grams of protein and then under 200 calories. So if you go to builtbar.com, type in the promo code locked on, you get 10 bucks off your first order. You've had a few of these, right? They're awesome. Not only have I had them, but my family's just been tearing into the box that we that we have. That's always the tricky thing is, you know, how do you keep the kids away from the food you have? I'm not one of those mm-hmm. label the food guys. You know what I mean? We're not going to separate yeah. food that way. But, you know, here I am thinking these are going to help me with my workouts and all. And my daughter's now teenage. <laughs> both of them are teenagers. And so they're like, hey, what can I do to like get myself in the best shape during quarantine? They're like all over these these things. So yeah, they they love the uh, mint chocolate. That's been that's been their uh, bar of choice. But and it's also because my wife is usually on their case about about what they're eating and how much sugars and everything. And oh, we're not you can't have it. these. A lot of these protein bars are really just candy bars disguised. As, that's not Built Bar. Like that's been a totally different animal. This thing, very low sugar, but tastes great and high in protein. So it's it's perfect food. It's perfect snack. Perfect thing right before a workout. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on, $10 off your first order, promo code locked on at BuiltBar.com. All right, so we got more of the Jordan Isaiah stuff and more of the Bulls Pistons stuff and the 92 Dream Team. So if everybody hated Isaiah, I've never heard anyone say a bad word about Chuck Daly, <laughs> which I've always thought is pretty wild that. All the best players in the league hated the Pistons, but had no problem with the guy who was coaching the Pistons. And Jordan, during the Dream Team, during the time in Barcelona, was playing golf with Chuck Daly every single day, sometimes 36 holes. It's incredible. When, when you go back and look at how all that stuff went down. Now, now, what hasn't been brought up is that really a lot of the rift started with those two with the all, early All-Star game, Jordan's first All-Star game, where he thought he was being frozen out by by his East teammates. And so he mm-hmm. blamed Isaiah for that and, and everything. Plus, of course, Isaiah was the was Chicago's chosen one coming up. Obviously, anybody who's seen Hoop Dreams and Gene Pingator, his, his high school coach, knows that you know Isaiah was the chosen one coming out of Chicago and then goes to Indiana and wins a national championship and then is a star in the NBA for Detroit. But... But he was a Chicago kid who grew up as a Bulls fan, all that. And then Jordan takes that shine, takes the city from him in a way, if you if you will. Um, but but Isaiah still has a great relationship with a lot of the well, always had with the younger players coming up through through the Chicago area. Um, so there was always this weird riff. But but the thing was, when Chuck Daly takes over the dream team, like he had to have conversations with Jordan about whether it'd be OK I mean, I remember reading about this, about whether it'd be okay if Isaiah wasn't on the dream team. Now, imagine that now. Like, again, we always we always have to put it in the context of now. Imagine that now if, if I don't know, take your um, 
I don't know if if who's the let's say Sam Presti. I don't know. I'm using an example, and Chris Paul is going to be left off a current dream team, for instance. And it's different because they didn't win championships together. But I'm just saying, you throw that example out there. Like, can you imagine the heat Sam Presti would take for purposefully leaving like Chris Paul off the dream team in order to have LeBron on? Like, yeah. it's just it's just wild. And those are guys that didn't win back-to-back championships mm-hmm. together. I mean, Chuck Daly and Isaiah are forever linked. I think it just goes to, to show like the genius and the brilliance of Chuck Daly that he could somehow have Jordan and Pippen be okay with it. They keep Isaiah off and still Chuck has a great relationship with Isaiah still like that just shows like who Chuck Daly was that Mm -hmm. he's able to balance those egos and, and relationships. But I will forever be frustrated about the fact that Isaiah wasn't on that dream team because I think it, it really did a number on his legacy. And you heard Jordan say it, he thinks magic's the best point guard ever. And that Isaiah is number two. And I think it's a really strong case for that. And Isaiah won back-to-back titles, Jordan, Bird, Magic, all playing, Jordan in his prime, and people somehow forget about how great Magic was. I mean, how great Isaiah was. And now I'm looking forward to fast-forwarding in Last Dance. In, in 98, where the, the Last Dance season is, is this all going to come full circle? Are we going to have something? Because broadcasters always get to talk to coach. Sometimes you see broadcasters with players, especially the former players, before big games. The analysts with Costas calling the the series on NBC were Isaiah and Doug Collins. So two prominent figures in Jordan's basketball career, and so much of this has been about Jordan and Isaiah and the contempt for one another, at least coming from the Jordan side. Mm -hmm. Now in this season, are we going to get something in the finals in 98, are we going to get some sort of behind the scenes of Jordan and Isaiah at the 98 finals? Have to. And the wild part is, and we've already heard snippets of it, and I remember it at the time, Isaiah was impartial. He did talk about Jordan's greatness when he was calling games. And he did, as a color guy, mention, oh, that's only only Michael Jordan can make that play. Or, oh, you don't want Jordan to beat you here, whatever. Like, he did. It wasn't something you could feel in the broadcast. And, and you and I are both familiar with this, where there are moments where broadcasters, you can feel it like, oh, he doesn't like that guy or he won't oh, give yeah. him credit. <laughs> and that's not that's certainly not the case. I'm interested to see if if there's footage of that, too. I mean, one of the coolest things so far at this behind the scenes stuff, there's definitely a different audience, just like you talked about, like being in quarantine, how there's there's this divide in the country about people with kids and people without kids, how, how we're living our lives two totally separate realities. Same thing, I think, for people watching this Last Dance documentary, for people who remember these moments with Michael Jordan and were watching them and it was an integral part of their lives and their childhood or their fandom, and those who don't. Because those who don't need the 93 finals. They need uh, some of the Dream Team stories. They need, you know, whereas you and I, like, we know that stuff. We've heard this stuff before. We're waiting to get to that next great moment where, Jordan shuns an autograph seeker or he gives an autograph or or he's playing, you know, who can get the quarter closest to the wall with the security guard and going to take the security guards 20 bucks if he beats him. Like those are the moments blowing the horn on the bus when the reporters are trying to talk to Pip. Yes. Yes. That's the stuff that we came to see. And granted, you could have an awesome 
two-hour, 97-98 behind-the-scenes Jordan documentary that would be salivating like like as you're watching it throughout the be incredible of just those moments and being unreal i get that they wanted to stretch this thing out and go as long as they possibly could as we talked about but i do think that as i'm watching this thing and trying to figure out how um how they're telling the story and how they're going along i sort of look at it like okay, they've done a really good job of this, but I'm dying for that next moment of like insight that I had no clue about that they're, that they're not going into. And you talked about it, like on the, like him jumping onto the bus and, mm-hmm. and blowing that horn or even the golf stuff. You talked about him playing golf against Danny Angel. Like I could watch yeah. that whole thing. Like same thing, like Jordan playing golf or, or rushing out just to get his tee time, which by the way, is hysterical because who's not going to hold up a tee time? Right, for, exactly. For during his prime. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. It's, it's remarkable. One, one, uh, one thing on Jordan that we haven't mm-hmm. mentioned that I realized now my time at ESPN that during the meeting. So when Scotty Pippen was was with ESPN and still is obviously, but he would come in for some like guest appearances and stuff and mm-hmm. show up on some shows. He was in meetings. He said in meetings multiple times that he was better than Michael Jordan. What Scotty Pippen said in meetings. Now, granted, he always defers to him now, and he says about how great Jordan was and all that. And I think Pippen realizes there is no player in history that benefited more from playing alongside. Right. right. So, what years? Right? What, right. what years was this? When Pippen would have said this? Yeah, we're talking about uh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 2010 to 2012, somewhere in that, and, in that and- range. He would, it wasn't like he was asked, hey, were you better than Jordan? It was just, no, 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 he wasn't coming up. He'd like, he'd say, hey, I was better than Michael Jordan. That's what he said. And people were coming out of meetings like, you will not believe what Scottie Pippen said in this, in this meeting. It was mind blowing, mind blowing. And, and again, (laughs) there's not been, look, again, I said it before, J.A. Donde, like two minutes into episode one, says, oh, Pippen was the greatest number two of all time. When meanwhile, Shaq and Kobe play together, yeah, right, Oscar right, right. and Will. Like, I mean, uh, Oscar and uh, and Kareem, um, you know, Wilt, Jerry West, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, but meanwhile, I still think about this, Noah, and go like, Scottie Pippen somehow like believes that he was better than Jordan and said it in meetings with other basketball people, like production show, production meetings for the NBA. At ESPN, remarkable. I, I've been uh, meaning to bring that up to you as part of this. Uh, <laughs> Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell, Adam, were the the ones that I saw say mm-hmm. this when you know when the Jordan rules came out, and as it's being addressed in Last Dance, and all the gambling stuff was coming out. There are two of the players tweeting, "Not everyone want to see you do good." All right, well. When your image is crafted the way it is, okay, and yes, everyone's a human being, it is still the job of journalists not to tear someone down, but to paint the picture of who people are. Yeah, you would have thought that Jordan would have been protected. Like all those years, Tiger Woods, protected. Golfers, tennis Mm -hmm. players. It's crazy how protected they are. A lot of it is now is the, you all don't know me. You don't know who I really am. 
All right. Well then how about on Instagram and social media, you actually put out who you are instead of trying to paint this picture of who you want everybody to think that you are. Right. Uh, one of, it's, it's again, it's one of those things that I think is, is hypocritical from today's player and just not even today's player, but I guess I'm sure it happened back then as well. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. The the other one for me that I would, that I would put there, Noah is, is this idea that I've been hearing uh, on, you're seeing it on Twitter and all this is people saying, well, this, this documentary is influenced by Jordan. So because it's been influenced by Jordan and his people, like they're, they're presenting it in a certain light, they're presenting it in a certain way that makes Jordan look really good. And I will say the gambling one is tricky because in that regard, like, I, I want to know, I want, I want more to the story. Like they've, they, they've hit on some of it. They've hit on some of it, but they sort of glanced over it. There's definitely more to, to the gambling and the characters that Jordan was involved with. And, and, and I do say, if you took that today and it's LeBron James who paid $57,000 has a check made out to a guy with a, uh, that's a felon, you know, that story blows up. Right. Like Jordan, and, like Jordan's like, they, they were able to gloss over it by saying, and Jordan saying, I just play golf with these guys. Like, I didn't know. It was a oh, lesson really? learned. Lesson right. learned. This, this isn't, this isn't like, this isn't like I was at a charity function with this guy once. This is, I'm on, I've played golf with him multiple times. And every time I'm spending five hours just with this guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was, it's wild. But, but I will say though, the like counter to people saying, well, you know, Jordan's team put this together. So they put him in the best light possible. And we've talked about that. Yes, that is, while that is true, like it's amazing to me that that's how media in general has become so much of now. And you and I talk about this a lot. This is an ongoing theme on, on our podcast and the interviews that we do that players today, they control so much of the narrative, so much of the narrative. It's unbelievable. I mean, Yes, there there is a bubble for Jordan. And he was protected on some level, and even still, like protecting this footage in the NBA and Jordan have always been in cahoots, especially over this him giving this access. But like the guys today, I mean, think about the questions that LeBron doesn't get asked, or what Le- reporters are not going to say, and not just of LeBron, but of his team and of Maverick Carter. Uh oh, we don't want to upset Rich Paul because if we do that, then we might not get a LeBron interview come finals. I mean. That stuff's always been going on, and it is even way more heightened now as players have more control over the narrative. More people are weighing in on social media and Twitter and all those things, but in terms of controlling your own narrative, athletes control it way more now than they did back then. Yeah, I want to, I want to close with this on that note, that what I was thinking of when as Jordan was getting increasingly annoyed with the questions about the gambling, that kind of thing, and you saw the throng of media around him, my thought was, I wonder if anyone ever called that a distraction or if anyone ever called Jordan a distraction the way they would call Michael Sam a distraction and Tim Tebow a distraction. I wonder if they ever called, you know what, Michael Jordan, he's, he's such a distraction. This is, this is really difficult for the rest of the guys. All right, so make sure you check out BuiltBar.com. Locked on is the promo code $10 off. Great tasting, high protein, low sugar protein bars. That's the sponsor of the podcast. Coming up on Thursday, going ISO with four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA selection. You want to hear more Jordan stories? Listen Mm. to our Going ISO edition of Rejecting the Screen with Vin Baker. 
Chad Ford's back with Chad Ford's Big Board here on Locked On, Locked On NBA, going through the best games of the year. Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd. Still entertaining, trust me. He figures out a way, and he does it well. And then your team every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Find Adam on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. On rejecting the screen on Instagram is rejecting underscore the underscore scream we'll continue to get out these audiograms which seem to be doing pretty well let's turn those into more subscribers downloads shares rates reviews however you want to support the podcast adam thanks pal you are the best